Welcome back to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I'm Inquisitor Temperance Price, Keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is the third volume in a report on the Valentine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Tom McGee and players Ryan Laplante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt as Atticus Viz, Laura Hamstra as Eli Sharp, and Della Borovic as Morgan Rawls. My report shows that the Inquisitorial Band are aboard the Marnie's song and ready to set sail. Atticus asked Morgan for help watching Gideon Kotov. Eli interrogated the new interrogator. Morgan escaped her medical appointment with Thaddeus. And Valentine made a speech to the crew before the ship launched. What will happen when they begin to search for Kanehurst's ship? Find out next in this episode of the Valentine Heresy. From a shattered data slate. Open communication. Interrogator Cora. Urgency. High. Interrogator. We regret to inform you that your home world, Galen's Glory, has been completely annihilated in an act of purification. We understand that these are hard times. Please take between five and seven minutes to mourn for those you have lost, and then report for duty. Valentine, you are staring at the spitting likeness of uh, both uh, Alto and Lyric, uh, but uh, an Alto and Lyric who grew a little bit more into their potential. Um, you get a sense looking at Cora that in a lot of ways, uh, she is what uh, Lyric was aiming for. Um, you can see almost that kind of classic... Uh, Lyric probably had a vision of what Cora was in her head and was attempting that. Um, and of course, in turn, developed her own style. But uh, the the resemblance is uncanny, uh, as is the the sort of um, the bearing. Uh, and yet there's still a, a bit of the softness of Alto's features as well. Uh, just a little bit more battle scarred. Uh, as I mentioned last session, um, huge scar across the uh, the bridge in the nose nose has been reconstructed but maintaining the scar uh which i think valentine you would recognize as a a conscious decision uh by the person getting the reconstructive surgery to keep the wound um when it could easily be erased um and she's brought you uh, some necron technology um she uh, she sort of again is uh, has has bowed um and uh has straightened back up and is uh, sort of awaiting um, further introduction from you. Great. His brain would be racing for a moment because as far as he... So this is a Ryan remembering. You just want yep. to confirm details. But in his original visions of the conspiracy, one of the members of the conspiracy, as confirmed by Lyric, was Korra, I believe, or someone who looked like Korra. Does this look like that Korra? Uh, it does. But... You've also all the visions have been very blurry, and and you've gotten glimpses, strong glimpses of of things here and there. Um, but yes, this this looks like the the described Cora. Okay. Uh, he's just gonna log that one away. It's a pleasure to meet you, interrogator. So thank you for bringing this over. Gideon, uh, and he'll just wave Gideon Kotov over and just say, this is the technology that I believed you needed for us to be able to continue our work. Uh, please take this to your workshop and begin your process. 
Uh, and he sort of like peeks under uh, the cloth. And he's just like, oh, oh, wow, wow. This is, uh, wow, uh, you know, what, uh, I, I don't even, uh, I don't even know what, uh, what, uh, what to say. And Cora just turns and says, then say nothing and move. You were given an order. And then uh, she turns back to you, Valentine, and just says, Are, is your entire retinue so dense? We have a large number of, uh, shall we say, idiosyncratic individuals uh, on this team. I require their specialist skills, and unfortunately, personalities are often attached to them. But do you know what? It's a gift the Emperor gives us. We've got to stay thankful for all of it. These challenges keep me sharp. So we'll get you set up with some quarters. Are there any specific needs that you have? Um, and uh, she just kind of nods at that, um, clearly also locking it away, um, and uh, says, uh, not at this time, Inquisitor. I would, of course, appreciate a, a full briefing on what our mission is beyond uh, the delivery of the technology. Of course, of particular interest is the... Um, uh, and she just kind of stops and like puts a hand to her temple for a second um, and then just kind of like blinks hard uh, and then shakes it off and just says, uh, uh, forgive me, I'm uh, moderately unwell. Um, beyond uh, what we are doing, I would, of course, like to know what the technology is for uh, that I may make an accurate log and report uh, back to my handlers when we return. That being said, if there is anything I need to know about you or your crew, I look forward to the training sessions that you mentioned in your your speech also again it was very nice to hear such clear vision and clear focus uh, from an inquisitor uh, beyond that uh some solitude would be appreciated i recently received some rather upsetting news that will not in any way affect my duties but is weighing heavily on my mind and soul so i must think on it and overcome it I understand. Father Marcellus will be available should you need uh, spiritual assistance or support. I imagine that can always get us through a uh, tough time. In terms of our mission, right now we are searching for the ship of Inquisitor Kanehurst. Uh, Kanehurst is linked to a psyker that can lead us back to the Cabal. We are searching for any evidence we can find over this time. I will have Gideon Kotov write up a report on the exact specifics of what we are doing in regards to the technology so that you'll have specific specifications that can be sent back to the Ordo Xenos for ongoing tracking. Inquisitor, how closely did you work with Kanehurst? I'm not personally familiar with Kanehurst. Those who are are Eli Sharp and Morgan Rawls. Is Eli Sharp the man who reeks of Amersek? That would be a fair description of him, yes. Mm. We're working and on that. Fair enough. And Morgan Rawls uh, just kind of like scanned the crowd. I mean, Morgan was in the room. Morgan, are you gone? Did, did Eli leave? She was going to follow Eli. If he's, or if he's still standing there, she'd just be standing next to him. Okay, then just points at Morgan next to Eli and is like, that one's Morgan Rolls. Hmm. Indeed. Well, that is heartening to hear. If they're alive, then they must not have been particularly close to the Inquisitor, but I will admit I would be rather suspicious of anyone who was close to that particular man. Always sniffing around Ordo Xenos. Interesting. This is good for us to know and log. Perhaps we'll be able to find answers for you and them, as well as ourselves, over the course of this journey. Uh, they have some sort of psychic link, which is key to our overall chase, which is why they become necessary, and why, if they can get us where we're going, I'm willing to allow Morgan Rawls uh, to exit stage left, as one might say. Mm. And she just kind of shakes her head and says, 
You know, I cannot fathom why anyone would want to leave the service of the Inquisition once one has had a taste for it, but idiosyncratic, as you mentioned. Yes, I mean, I feel exactly the same way, but so many people are disappointing in this galaxy, I mean, from an imperial perspective. At the same time, they allow those of us to shine brighter, and those challenges are set upon us and them by the Emperor, who does no wrong. So, what fun! Mm. <laughs> um, and with that, she just, like, turns and heads, <laughs> heads for her quarters. Perfect. Morgan, with me, please. Now, Morgan, you said you wanted to follow Eli. Uh, do you figure out a way to, like, maneuver Eli out so that you don't hear the Inquisitor? I say throwing up big air quotes for those of you listening at home. I can make this very easy and just leave <laughs> because Eli, like, he's got to go for, tr like, planned training now. And he needs something to tide him over, uh, you know, mentally psychologically speaking okay so i guess what we'll say that this might actually come to a role is uh eli has is was leaving in search of his beloved bag of tricks um valentine is finishing up his conversation with cora and then calls for you morgan this is one of those like telltale walking dead choices where like one is blacked out and then the other one is in color and then you look to the other one and you have you know button prompts for either one um you know you should listen to the Inquisitor, but you can possibly make an argument that you didn't hear him because you were following Eli. Would you attempt that, or would you stay and talk to the Inquisitor? No, she's not going to fuck around with this. She has a lot of conflicted feelings about being called out in front of the entire group, basically. Mm. So when he calls her over, she watches Eli go and then turns to follow Valentine. Wonderful. Yeah. Valentine is going to walk her through the ship in silence until he gets to his quarters. Oh, wow. Okay. She will just walk in silence and with him then. Feeling her feelings. All right. So do, do we get there, Tom, or do you want to go somewhere else first, baby? You tell me what you're doing and I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we should probably just stick, stick with it. Well, actually, you know, before we find out where, where you end up, uh, Atticus, after this rousing speech, uh, what do you do? Um... I think Atticus would want to go find uh, Eli to talk about drilling, since we're both providing two different kinds of drills. Okay, cool. Uh, so you go in search of Eli. Uh, Morgan and Valentine, you arrive at Valentine's quarters. Wonderful. Morgan, take a seat. Valentine's quarters are super fucking prim and proper. Like, it's just every, you know, everything has a place and every place has a thing. That's his room. It's just all very neatly laid out. But he does have a, a small desk. I mean, it's not a super fancy ship, but there are two chairs that are on opposite sides of it. Can I offer you a drink or anything else? I don't need a drink, thank you. But she will sit down. She's curious. <laughs> what did you wish to speak to me about, Inquisitor? Well, there are, there are two things. Uh, first of all, I wanted to be clear that my offer is genuine, which is I believe you've shown all of the capabilities required to be not only an incredible inquisitorial agent, but should you have the proper motivation, I believe you could be promoted to the rank of interrogator and eventually become an inquisitor yourself. That comes down to you, whether or not you want to do that, which is why you have the option to leave uh, alongside a million credits. You can walk, you can live whatever life you lead. If you choose this one, I would be very impressed and would look forward to training you. Uh... Until that time, there are certain things that I will require you to do that may not be in, shall we say, the purview of the rest of the crew. The first one of them is rather simple. At some point in the next few days, uh, Interrogator Cora dies. 
Oh, so what you're saying about they're not being fighting on this ship, is that true or is that not for you? Well, let me say, if there is a fight, I will be tremendously disappointed. And if there is any evidence of a homicide, that would also be tremendously disappointing and draw inquisitorial attention. Mm. Cora will have a tragic accident. Now, for me to contextualize this for you and only you, and if you tell anyone, we're going to have a real problem. So I know you won't. Uh, now, the thing is, in my visions of the Cabal, which have entirely proven to be true from start to finish, Cora is a member of the Cabal. Not in her current state, but recognizable now to where she could be then. There is a chance that if we handle this poorly and Cora escapes, we will set her on the path to doom. There's a much better chance, I believe, that you could successfully murder her in some sort of subtle, unknown way. I need that to happen, the latter, not the former. I understand, Inquisitor. Is there a timeline for this specifically? Before we'll arrive at where we are going, is there a time we'll be in dead space? Yes, we'll, we'll have some time in vacuum, I imagine, traveling through the system. Uh, I'd rather it not happen in the warp, because I do not know if she's a psyker. You may need to put some research into this in advance, because I don't know if she can read your mind. This is ongoing problems. That is a problem. All right. I will do that. And I will research and report back to you. Something like this should not be done lightly. Not on this small of a ship, anyway. Agreed. I, I do nothing lightly. Um, well, I do things lightly that should be done lightly. I've also run through one of the ship's engineers with a chainsaw before we landed on the planet. Sometimes you do what you have to do. Inquisitorial purview. So, let's keep this subtle. Worst case scenario, try to make a friend. Uh, that would also be uh, short-term useful. But we cannot allow a danger to the Emperor to continue, no matter how fine a servant of the Imperium they appear to be. You understand? Oh, I understand very well how the Inquisition operates, yes. Impressive as always, Morgan. Oh, you may want to let Eli know uh, I have his bag of tricks. It's locked away, uh, <laughs> and there is no alcohol anywhere on board. It is going to take him some time to come down from that. Yes, yes. Well, I've not so subtly to allow you to, let's say, enjoy the inner machinations of how my mind works. Eli is supposed to report to assist the doctor for the next seven days. The doctor will have access to alcohol and other drugs, but they will be locked up in a way that Eli will not have access to should he just rummage around for them. However, should he befriend the doctor and convince the doctor to assist him with treatment, I believe it could bond them, help him medically, and achieve our overall goals as a team. I see. I understand. I don't know how good of a doctor he is, but hopefully Eli will stumble into that one fingers crossed wings spread you know as they say inquisitor why did you give me this alternate deal when we first spoke you told me once your entire mission was complete that you would promise me things so why this because it appears that you are functionally a survivalist and a sociopath, and I don't know when this quest will end, so I can't guarantee your loyalty until the end of the journey, which is why we can both gain the thing that we need. I need access to Kanehurst's ship, which you give me, 
And at the end of that, I'll allow you to go. Because the one thing you can do with an organized sociopath is focus them on a goal for a short period of time. The one thing you can't do is ask them to die for you. You are right, but one thing that you have not thought of. You asked me why I did not run away from Kanehurst. Inquisitor, I cannot run from the Inquisition. There is nowhere for me to go. It yes. is not possible for one such as me, if you understand. But it is if an Inquisitor signs the papers that allows you to go and expunges your record and, say, gives you a million credits, which means you actually have that option for the first time. I understand short-term working with someone with a gun to their head, but over the long term, it really does not help you or them survive. I need people who are willing to do the thing to get the job done, whatever that takes. I've lost inquisitorial agents along the way. I've risked body parts, and he just flexes his, his hand in a way that's impossible to do biologically with a human hand. Mm -hmm. All of that's true. I have no regrets about any of it, other than it would have been nice to have some more, uh, shall we say, assets to keep those people alive. But they did the right thing. They did the heroic thing. And because of them, the Emperor is that much safer. Threatening you with death doesn't mean you'll do a job well. Frankly, it doesn't even mean you'll do a job. It'll mean you'll do the bare minimum so you're not murdered. I mean, when I went to the School of Progenium, there was one boy in our class who, uh, it seemed, uh, felt like he had, uh, shall we say, cracked the code. He could do any task poorly so much worse than anyone else, which meant over the time, of our courses, over the time of the instruction, he was consistently at the bottom of the class. But it was because he didn't like doing chores, and he didn't like studying, and he didn't like working hard. So as long as he critically underperformed, his theory was that he would wash out of the program, which is not a terrible idea, except if you're going to the School of Progenium. It's something that's fine if you're in a private school as someone wealthy. Now, he was tremendously charming. Great sense of humor, beautiful smile, loyal friend. Ah, uh, I treasured him. I treasured that time together. It brought some of the brief moments of joy into what was otherwise a delightfully challenging, thank you, Emperor Childhood. And uh, the nice thing is he continues to serve the Emperor on an ongoing basis. Eugene, uh, and Eugene's skull just flies out of his jacket and it starts flying over him. And he's like, that's Eugene. And I'll tell you right now, this is the most useful Eugene has ever been for the Emperor or for anyone else. If I needed a servitor, or a servo skull, or just a human nervous system attached to a gun, then it could be anyone. But when it comes to the agents I want to put in the field, not only on their own, but alongside me and trust with missions of the import we are discussing, I need them to be people who want to do this job. And I can't motivate you with threats. I can't motivate you with promises of things at the end, not if you're very likely to die. I'm smart enough to be able to do the math on all of that myself. What I can do is guarantee that you have a path out of here or you have the choice to stay. I still get the thing I need, which is the next step completed. And then you get the choice of the kind of person you want to be. I'm gambling that you'll realize that the work you can do here is far more significant and you'll have far more power while you do it and you'll be able to make incredible changes and be someone worthy of note. Otherwise, you'll be free. Sounds like hell, but you'll be free in your own sense of wealthy, able to travel, possibly die in the Xenos invasion you don't know is going to happen. But that happens to the best of us over time. That's not... <laughs> nobody gets to make that call with the big guy on the chair. I suppose you're right. Then we will talk again after we find Kane Hirschip, yes? 
Excellent. I'm always available to speak with an agent of your quality. She gets up and kind of taps along his table. Is there anything else you needed to speak to me about? Oh, I'm going to have Gideon Kotov put together a fake report. I feel like you're an excellent uh, deceptionist. I'm going to have you review it before we give it to our new interrogator. All right. Yes, it is a difficult situation. Suspicious for that inquisitor. So a lot of care will have to be taken with this one. Oh, agreed, agreed, agreed. Also, oh, I forgot. I talked to Triseus. Swing by. I've got a thing where I'm trying to figure out a whole brain scan thing, and I need to figure out whether it's legitimate or false. And again, you're better at spotting lies than anyone except possibly me, and it's going to be my brain. All right. You wish me to talk to Triseus? Yes, yes, that sounds good. Or I could have him talk to you. We could give you a report. I don't know what you want to do. You just keep asking questions, so I'm going to keep assigning work. It's sort of like asking a, a, a professor, you know, have I completed all the papers this semester? Well, no, I've got additional things that I can give you as chores, but I think this is probably good. All right, I will learn to stop asking. This was nice speaking with you, Inquisitor. She'll stand to go. <laughs> a job done well is a job done for the Emperor. Greetings, fellow servants of the Emperor. It is I, Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, and I am here to call you to step forward and serve the Emperor as part of his immortal and blessed host. It's a great day for you to join a Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash dumdumdice is the perfect place for you to fund our little forays into saving, let's just say, the Golden Throne and all of humanity. Now, I know the thing that you're wondering is, what's in it for me? Because, and I mean this as pleasantly as possible, you're absolute heretical scum. What I'm hoping for all of you is that you can redeem yourselves by receiving ad-free feeds where you are no longer plagued by random temptation, but instead can focus your attention purely on the Emperor. You can gain this ad-free feed for only $5 a month and receive other feeds as well to other alternate realities. If you go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice, it's for the Emperor and we'll save your souls. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, a job not done well is Eli finding his fucking bag. Um, Eli, you are uh, continuing to search the ship, uh, which again, now you know very well. Yeah. Uh, there's no bag in sight. Uh, however, there is uh, an Atticus Vis in sight. Uh, so you, you bump into Atticus um, who has been following you, but probably losing you because he may not, despite having been on the ship longer, may not know the ship as well as you figured it out mm -hmm. in your time. Um, but Atticus, you said you wanted to follow Eli to touch base about training. Yeah. Um, uh, Laura, what's Eli's rank? Um, he doesn't have one. Okay. Like, I mean, he would have had a rank with the Navy, but... He would That's not fine. have that anymore. Is Eli still wearing his Navy uniform? Uh, he's wearing, like, the material part, not any of the symbols or... Yeah, okay. he doesn't have... What's, like, insignia, that kind of, like... No, nothing like that. Okay. Atticus just would have wanted to address him by his rank if that yeah. if he had one. So, so okay. Um, oh, and Mr. Sharp. Uh, and... Eli kind of whips around. Uh, 
Uh, yes. Uh, wait, do I call you interrogator? Or like, uh, how formal are you on this ship? I think you're uh, an important enough part of the team that you can just call me Atticus. All right, then, Atticus. I, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, training under you in terms of boarding actions and things like that. I've not spent much time in space or on any kind of ships, really. A lot of my fighting and experience is down on the ground, planet side. Uh, I was wondering if you wanted to uh, collaborate, let's say, on training and drills. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, now, I know we, we're, we're given this directive to uh, do one hour of training every day. Yes. Uh, Correct. I don't know how you want to do yours, but I'm going to tell you right now, mine is going to be at random times, different time every single day, and everyone's going to have to be ready for it. Oh, I quite like that. Excellent. Oh, don't tell me anything else. I don't want it to be spoiled for me. Right, well, what I was thinking was more of a uh, developing, of course, the uh, physical requirements for ground battle and things like that, but the uh, the enemy that I'm most experienced at combating is those emperor-forsaken orcs. And there's certainly a uh, a mental game at play there as well. They can be quite intimidating. I'm assuming whatever other heretic freaks are out there, they're going to be playing at the same sort of thing, playing on your fears. And I aim to stamp fear out of our unit. Here's the one thing. Doesn't matter if you're fighting an orc or Necron, or a Tyranid, or, you know, cultist with no powers to speak of. You're in the middle of space, surrounded by emptiness. That fear is going to get you. Mm. So we got to teach, we got to teach everyone to control that, because I'm telling you, you get a saboteur on board, or you don't find someone in time when they come on board, it's... Oh, it could be bad real fast. Oh, that's, uh, that's an area of uh, engagement that is uh, quite novel to me still. Uh, searching and destroying, things like that. Much more used to uh, being put on a battlefield and it's your life or theirs. So, much more straightforward, I find. Well, the good thing about being on our ship is that, I mean, if we're on our ship, which is generally when we're going to have to defend ourselves and be surprised, we're on our territory. And right. there will be a familiarity with the environment. So we drill and we drill and we drill hard. So regardless of the threat, everyone knows exactly what to do. Right, right. Couldn't agree more. In fact, I uh, I do think I could use uh, a little bit of time getting to know this ship myself. I've been aboard for a small stint, but certainly not thinking that this is territory to defend. 
Indeed. We should scour the ship and find weak points immediately. More than happy to, Mr. Sharp, lead the way. And with that, the two of you begin to just give the ship a full toss down. Like, it's just, I think in a lot of ways, it's a bit of like a Sherlock Holmes, Dr. Watson dynamic, where it's just like Eli pointing out all sorts of stuff and Atticus just, ah, this is a treat. Eh. I mean, this is someone who knows knows their shit. And uh, Eli, as as you you spend time uh, sort of showing Atticus uh, the the ship and all the weak points, and like having a captive audience, uh, you don't even really notice that kind of uh, itching at the edge of your brain that normally you need, uh, because for the first time in a legitimately long time, uh, you're reengaging your training, you're reengaging your passion. Oh yeah, uh, and it's. Uh, it's a nice, it's a nice little break for for Eli Sharp. Uh, Ryan, um, you had asked uh, Treseus to look into uh, Morgan's planet a bit and Morgan's background. You've also asked Morgan to speak to Treseus. Would you want him to talk to her first or you first? Uh, it depends. If she went straight to him, then him. Otherwise, but Valentine's just in his office waiting for people to report on shit that's that's coming in. Morgan, would you have actively gone to seek him out first, or would you have uh, gone to find Eli? Um. Well, I think that Morgan has an order of operations of the importance of things, mm-hmm. and obviously the Gideon isn't going anywhere. Someone in particular on the ship is going to be going somewhere. So I think it's it's more she wants to try and get some information but i think because they are just leaving and the like everyone is getting to know each other on the ship mm. you did say there's a bar the bar has no alcohol but does mm. the bar have other things can morgan make a bunch of virgin drinks for everybody oh a hundred percent yeah 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 there's um all the uh, like billing bird again comes from aristocratic stock so there mm-hmm. is there's all sorts of shit uh you know the 40k equivalent of soft drinks which i'm sure mm-hmm. are made of like i don't know slave mind spice or some nonsense um but like uh yeah there's there's soft drinks there's uh you know filtered water um certainly uh there's calf like he he you get the sense he, he was the kind of asshole who would have probably had a bartender on board mm-hmm. the ship when he could to like mix fancy drinks so everything required to mix a fancy drink is still there um just the the actual alcohol is gone yeah so i think she's going to play around behind the bar try to mix fancy drinks hit up people that are walking past and offer them drinks and try to sh- talk to them basically just seeing getting the vibe of everybody and where they're at personality wise and that kind of thing Okay, I think we're going to call this a streetwise would sure. probably make the most sense to me since bartending isn't a skill. Um, oh, I would wow. say I would take streetwise or I would take charm. Is there one of the two you would prefer? Yeah, streetwise for sure. Right. <laughs> Over charm. Cool. Um, so uh, streetwise, uh, I'm going to say this is difficulty two. People aren't particularly guarded on the ship mm-hmm. because everyone here is part of the crew now so there, there shouldn't be major secrets between them great um i'm gonna give you a boost for being a bartender you're real good at this yeah so that's that's no problem um and i think i'll give you another boost for how well stocked this bar is like mm-hmm, it's easy mm-hmm. to make good mocktails when you have good ingredients so it's not like you're just like here's a soda you're like right. here's something relatively fancy um she she's hoping that yeah if she makes them fancy enough and they look normal it'll be like that it'll 
it'll make them happy even yeah, though it's there's a tasty no beverage alcohol. either way yeah yeah um okay great so that's it for me um i'm not gonna dump any story points on this one uh and i don't think there's any reasonable setbacks that i can think okay. of so i think i'm just gonna roll it too because it's more just this is the first feelers seeing if we can get you know and i think it's it eventually will be more towards wanting to figure out Cora, but I think doing it across the board for everybody is less suspicious in her eyes. So, oh, a hundred percent. Rather be like, "Hello, new friend." Like, right? <laughs> Ooh, four successes, one advantage. Hell yeah! Uh, wow, people are not used to things that taste nice. <laughs> Just in general, in this in this universe. Uh, I mean, you think about who's on this ship. It's like a prisoner, a lifelong soldier. Um, mm like a weird mechanicus robot man who probably can't taste anything but likes the ritual mm -hmm. um you know just like uh, father marcellus has been living hard kind of like you know working from ship to ship uh no one's ever offered to say us anything nice before yeah. so yeah you uh you make some friends um yeah and i think also try and do for gideon see if he will even drink a drink or what obviously he likes his technology but is he cool with befriending people she doesn't even know so oh yeah he uh he he's more than willing to like in a way that reminds you of some of the bar braggarts like mm -hmm. some of the bar flies who would just kind of come in um uh you know thinking uh specifically of uh you know the killian thrangs of the world mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. who just love love talking a big game um the difference is that he's doing it in um a kind of off-putting um almost the way that like weird shitty old eugenicists used to talk about things where it's just like he's talking about your body in biomechanical terms mm -hmm. and it's not there's like there's obviously nothing sexual about it it's just literally like he's just going off on like the, the chemical composition of the drink uh, you know, the uselessness of glass when one could like, you know, the, the yeah. Eldari version is much nicer and it's much right. better. And why not use that? Yeah. And just generally bitching about like how bad the human body is compared to, um, you know, machinery and all the improvements that could be done. Um, but I think to, he likes to, a captive audience and no one yeah. has given him the time of day on this in a really long time. Mm -hmm. She would give him the time of day and, and also would even flip her hair over because she has that like chunk in, to control Toby. She has just a big metal plate in the side of her head. So she, she, she would, you know, oh, talk, he is, chat him up about that. And, yeah, this is the equivalent of like people who really like watches and you're like, I have a nice watch. There like, you he go, is, yes. <laughs> he is all about that. And more importantly, it, he starts speaking almost in conspiratorial terms with you because as soon as he sees that, he's like, oh, like you get it. Mm -hmm. You get that flesh is weak and useless and... You know, he obviously like still talks a little bit of shit about it because it's purely Imperium tech, which he thinks mm -hmm. is like vastly inferior. Um, but uh, the fact that you are are essentially like you have implants, but also those implants connect to a robot. That is some A plus mm -hmm. uh, make friends with Gideon uh, Kotov kind of stuff. So, Morgan, I'm going to say that uh, moving forward, um, you uh, you get an automatic boost to uh, checks with um uh with gideon it's just uh, you're you're friendly with him um he uh he's also you know like uh, basically a death row convict uh like <laughs> or like a serial killer from a serial killer movie that gets to ride along so like he's just happy to be out of the box uh for a bit 
Um, I don't think he's under any illusion that he gets to walk away at the end of this, but the fact that he gets to advance his research and like do more stuff rather than just rotting in a well, not a cell, but a well, uh, is, uh, is pretty great for him. Um, and I think just in general, uh, the morale of the crew rises a bit. Uh, I think we're going to say that like you've taken off at this point. There's nothing else really to do mm-hmm. um, at, at Hearthold on, on Last Gleaming. So this is all kind of like, you know, in transit uh, stuff as you, you kind of make your way off, off planet. Um, but uh, yeah, generally the, the morale improves a bit. Everyone's setting off on an adventure and there's good drinks. Hell yeah. Um, and I think for you know the the Atticus and Valentine kind of and I oh no definitely not Eli but um definitely for Valentine and for Atticus there's also I think something pleasant in the oh you've made us fancy drinks and you've made fancy drinks for the crew but you also made sure to make them virgins so that no one's getting fucked up on duty this is the right like this is like I feel like this is a cocktail party Atticus could enjoy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it's not going to fuck with his work um, while still being like a, a nice, uh, a nice ritual. So um, yeah, generally the, um, the morale improves uh, uh, Thaddeus Thunderhorn keeps raising his glass to you. Anytime he walks by uh, trying to kind of get on your good side after all of your uh, less cordial encounters, but I imagine you're not like giving him the time of day. <laughs> Actually, she is doing her bar personality now, so she's she's wow, being wow, nice wow. to everybody. She's just doing it for a bit to see who it lands with and what information she can get. It's like the seed bed for all future things of just trying to gauge it out. I got you. I got you. Okay, so I'll say so, then- yeah, just it, probably she'd be a little snarky, but it would just like here you go. Now your breath will smell better, and it is delicious drink for you. Yes, so make sure it does not get in your fur. You know. I will. And like, just doesn't know what to do with that. Uh, Cause like Morgan snarky is still far nicer than anyone aside from Valentine has been to him. Um, a lot. I, I'll say in terms of the people who aren't as warm to it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Father Marcellus. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's just, probably not. <laughs> yeah. He just doesn't like the, the, the bar persona doesn't really do anything for him. Um, but also the drink, like it, it, it he kind of eyes it and and he takes it politely, but you notice mm-hmm. that he leaves it as soon as he can, just on a side table somewhere. He doesn't even bother taking a sip. Um, much too fancy for his blood. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who insists that the emperor is his armor and like walks around shirtless all the time. He's not, he doesn't yeah. want nice things. He wants to sleep on a board because that's <laughs> the firmness of the emperor's faith um, <laughs> under his under his spine. Uh, Grimly also does not touch these things um, because he's just constantly (laughs) eyeing uh, you and Atticus and he's staying as far away from you at all times as possible so that there's no possible way he can slip you information, Um, which he's pretty sure he didn't do, but is now very worried he he might. Um, Cora also uh, does take one, but uh, absently. She doesn't really stop. Um, She's she's kind of clearly in uh, her own world. Uh, Dill, you had a, you had an advantage kicking around, right? Yep, one advantage. Okay, so we're gonna spend that on uh, observing Cora. Okay. Um, so uh, you notice that um, when she uh, she comes for a drink, uh, she seems very distracted. Uh, there's clearly something on her mind, um, but her eyes are also just a little bit glassy um, mm. in a way that uh, you you absolutely recognize uh, from your days at the Clawn Horn or Clawn Wing as. <laughs> the like a telltale sign of obscure use 
She's not like stumbling around being like, I saw the green fairy and then doing a Moulin Rouge <laughs> routine. Um, but uh, definitely uh, a little bit glassy. That said, uh, much like your your time with with poor Eli, um, you, you notice that she's still pretty steady um, mm -hmm. on her feet, but you don't get the sense that this is like a lifelong, you know, there's a lifelong addict and there's someone who is yep. is new to the sport um she's, she's coping with something yeah yeah um so uh she takes the drink and uh then like immediately returns to her quarters uh with it okay cool um very cool all right so well you've done that um uh Triseus, uh, arrives at your your quarters valentine um tom can you just remind me is Triseus our savant uh yes okay yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, Trisaya Savanikov um, yep. enters uh, enters and says, uh, uh, Inquisitor, uh, may I have a moment or two of your time to uh, discuss uh, Morgan Rawls? Yes, please, take a seat. Uh, uh, thank you. She made these uh, excellent drinks. I don't know if you've... I brought you one in case uh, you've not had a chance. I figure maybe you don't leave your office. You've got important things to do. Uh, they are apparently alcohol-free, but they are very tasty. Oh, that's tremendously considerate of you. Thank you. Great. So uh, he uh, he brought two because he wasn't sure what you'd like. So he just puts them down and waits for you to pick one, and then he takes the other one. Um, and he says, uh, "So uh, as I uh, as I told you, Inquisitor, I have uh, I was a little." Uh, Concerns that there would not be uh, too much information about uh, Morgan Ross specifically, given that uh, Ken Hurst did not keep great records. Uh, and uh, this is true. However, uh, we did find out some uh, interesting information about uh, the, uh, the cult uh, that was on her, her planet. I uh, assume you've heard the, the story. Uh, you know, planet was put under uh, quarantine. Uh, Miss Rawls somehow got out uh, and uh, the Inquisitor uh, provided a little bit of shelter. Uh, so she is here, so that is good. Uh, but, so he did not need to provide so many details about one single person escaping a quarantine zone. He did need to report on uh, what he found with this cult. And the results were rather odd, Inquisitor. Uh, this was a, a cult of uh, Slanish, the, uh, and he, he kind of like, almost Voldemort's it, like, as he says it, there's a little, like, um, curl of his lip, um, and his little, like, writing hands stop. They don't record that, um, and then they go back to just kind of writing stuff. It's not that he, he translate, like, he doesn't transcribe everything he says, just you can tell that certain things are worth keeping and other things aren't. Um, usually reminders and to-do lists and the like. It says, uh, so this cult, uh, the quarantine was put uh, on on the planet, but uh, a number of uh, the cultists uh, they managed to escape. Uh, Kanehurst, interestingly, only reported about the cult, uh, the cultists that he tracked down after the fact. He was not in the correct sector to be chasing these particular cultists. He went far out of his way to find them, and he killed them to a man. We we have records of that. Uh, the, the bodies have been processed. Uh, the whole thing, but. 
it is strange to me that he should go to such lengths to go investigate this case himself when there were plenty of other uh, agents of the Imperium nearby who could have done it uh, much quicker, uh, given that uh, these are clearly uh, heretics who uh, deserved uh, the, uh, the bolter and the axe, uh, as it were. So there is something strange here, Inquisitor, and uh, I do not quite know what it is, but uh, the fact that he would seek them out is, is odd to me. Yes, uh, Valentine is lounging in his chair with his feet up on his desk. It's a very calculatedly casual position, but the thing that always betrays him is the intense stare of his robotic eyes that people think is unsettling because it's there's like laser focus in them. That's just because they didn't know him when he was younger. If he had biological eyes, it's the same laser focus. <laughs> people just think it's the robot thing. And he's just uh, holding whichever g- drink he took uh, he would have taken them with a wider glass. Del, what were the two drinks that you gave to Tersaeus? I think one was probably more of a seltzery, clear drink with a little bit of sugar and like a stick in it. And then the other one was probably like a taller, looked like tropical looking red drink with with like dust on top. Uh, right. Sure so like he <laughs> Because they were virgins, right? I was gonna say, what are their what are their forty k names? Because you'd know that. Let's see. I I think the clear one would be like the Emperor's Tears, and then the red one would be the the Cathedral in Blood. (laughs) Right. Uh, he would drink the Emperor's Tears uh, because it's a wider <laughs> glass, which means it when takeoff happens, it's more likely to stay on his desk than like a tall, thin one that could topple. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just got that in one hand, holding it almost like a snifter. Uh, and he just says, interesting that people have raised so many questions about Kanehurst. And the last time that we had an Inquisitor involved with this cabal, it turned out they were corrupt. Now, I have references to Slanish and references to an improper amount of attention to the Order Xenos. Also... Kanehurst put psychic beacons leading his followers to his ship should he die, which serves no value to Kanehurst that I am aware of, but could prove to be tremendously valuable to those allied with Kanehurst. And knowing that this was not triggered by the Inquisition, it would suggest that those allies were not of the Inquisition. This is becoming more interesting by the second. Thank you, Tresaeus. This has been time very well spent. I'm impressed by your work. I uh, thank you, uh, Inquisitor. I am uh, honored that you would uh, say that to me. I am uh, merely doing as the Emperor's will, of course. Uh, if you would like, I can uh, dig a bit further. There is a lot of uh, redaction going on in these files, but uh, what care I for black bars when there is information to be found, huh? Yes, yes. If you need access to my rosette or any other oh, codes that, would that will allow you... open a lot of doors. I And, like... Almost blushing, just like I, I uh, did not know I could uh, ask. I did not want to impose uh, the rosette is such a sign of, of, of uh, well, respect and of, of status. Uh, one such as myself, uh, if I may, it would it would be tremendously helpful with uh, Billingberg's old records. But uh, of course, only if you see fit. Yeah, uh, Valentine will give him his codes, uh, and he'll give him uh, not the rosette that has his shield on it because that fucker stays with him. But he'll give him like I, mostly Honestly, just giving his codes is like good enough. It's yeah, like, just I mean, basically... mo- I'm imagining Billingberg would have a couple of spares. A lot of Inquisitors do for when you have to empower an agent because you're not like now you're the Inquisitor and I'm just some guy in a coat. <laughs> uh, so 
he would have programmed Billingberg's spares to be Lucius Valentine, so he would just give one to Trusaeus okay. for ongoing use. Great. So uh, Trusaeus, uh, like kidney candy store, just like you know, so thrilled to have this. Uh, is holding it in a very reverent way, um, and uh, just like in the ways that he, you've seen him do before, basically forgets you exist as soon as he has it. He's just like he just absently puts the drink down somewhere and just kind of gets up. Uh, and he's muttering like, "Yes, uh, thank you, Inquisitors. This is this is a gift." As he like, Trusais, Trusais. Mm, but before yes. you go, just one thing to keep in mind: you will be looking at heavily redacted records, and there will be things in there that may affect you in ways you don't expect. If you start to be troubled in your sleep, if you start to see dreams, if there are other things affecting you, please just approach Father Marcellus to support you through that time. And if the problem persists, speak with me, and we'll find a way to support you until you've recovered. You're too um, valuable to throw away to some damned parchment that we weren't aware was in the database. And he just nods and says, uh, this is a wise course of action, Inquisitor. Uh, I tell you what. And he um, he just kind of like fiddles with a with a switch um, on on his like lower ribs. Um, and uh there's there's kind of like um a, a little whine of um of, you know like when you turn a radio on back when we had radios you could turn on that weren't just like a weird digital signal, um and he says would you be so kind as to uh, provide a a uh, a voice print code word uh for for this little guy and like a little arm waves at you like a little robot arm. Uh, vermilion. Um, and the arm like sort of twitches and undulates um, and then uh, immediately starts like just like again writing on on kind of a, a, a like a turning scroll uh, and he says uh, I have uh, set one of my mechanisms to uh, record uh, any such occurrence uh, and I cannot stop it nothing I can say will uh, stop the writing or the sketching. Uh, that way, if, if anything is affecting me negatively, uh, it will keep track in a way I cannot stop. And uh, the, uh, Father Marcellus can uh, review it and uh, make any necessary adjustments to my uh, soul or, or psyche or, or what have you. Tremendously you can stop impressive it with, uh, you say Vermilion again, it will stop. Uh. You are a very, very impressive man. I look forward to working with you on an ongoing basis. Big fan. The Emperor's a big fan. Great work. Uh, please expand uh, the focus of your investigation. Please focus on the world on an ongoing basis. But anything you can find about Kanehurst's work, I'm fascinated by these contradictions within this man. Yes, there should be. Uh, this is what is redacted. Uh, there are some uh, research files, some some comments that I had no access to because did not have uh, the appropriate access. Now that I do, I should be able to dig a bit deeper into exactly why he was so interested in this cult. There's not much more information about this planet, but why he was there, why he went after them, why he kept Morgan. This, this I suspect I may find out for you. Excellent. Yes, pull on those threads. I trust you. Um, and he just like clinks his many little tiny fingers, and he says, "What are tiny fingers for? If not pulling apart threads?" Hmm? Exactly. Oh yes, Morgan Rolls will be in touch too. She's going to help you with the whole brain copying thing. Ah yes, you must make sure that goes smoothly. Uh, thank you, Inquisitor. This has been tremendously helpful. Um, and uh, with that, he he exits the space. And honestly, Valentine, for the first time in 
this disaster uh, of a quest to save the emperor, things are actually going pretty fucking well. Which, of course, is cause for concern in the grim darkness of the future, where there is only war. This episode of The Valentine Heresy features Ryan Laplante at the Ryan Laplante on Twitter as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter as Atticus Viz, Laura Hamstra at E.L. Hamstring on Twitter as Eli Sharp, Del Borovic at Del Tastic on Twitter as Morgan Rawls, and our game master Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and the Valentine Heresy's artwork was created by Del Borovic at delborovic.com, D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chief Spy Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator, and death to all the heretics. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Sammy Boy, Orion Birchfield, Scott Garland, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Shulzari, Christian Mendez, Spot Allen, Flynn1138, Alorain Okapi, OMG It's Big Nick, Steve Wees, D&D and Things, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Greetings. I am the modestly handsome obituary writer of this fetching town of Crestfall, Idaho, and this is Death by Dying. Death is exhausting. And so, after a long day of funeral attending, I had retired to my apartment to get some shut-eye. I loosened my Versace tie and changed into my Egyptian silk pajamas. Are you the detective in town? No, I'm the obituary writer. Really? Someone said you solve murder cases. Murder? I'm Charlotte, by the way. Forgive me, but I haven't gotten past the murder part. Charlotte, the friend I now have, is staying in the apartment above her Aunt Lillian's bookshop. She was my aunt. She was all I had growing up. I need to know why she's gone. Murder is the spice of life. I knew just who I had to see. The Angel of Death. We have become friends over the years. Careful. Death is ever-present. Her pet, the button-eyed raven, moaned inconsolably as usual. Your friends are abandoning you, one by one. You write about death, O.W. But how much do you know about what it feels like to lose someone?
the shadow in the dark woods is making its way into Crestfall. Listen to Death by Dying on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher.